The reading is from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 56. This can be found on page 1009 in the Church Bibles. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognised Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns or countryside, 
they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, open our eyes to see you. Unblock our ears to hear you. And soften our hearts to receive whatever it is you want to tell us tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, amazing to be here and amazing to find that you're preaching through Mark's Gospel. I'm not sure if this is theologically right, but if I have a favourite book, it is Mark's Gospel. I think many in the church would say, hang on, it's univocal scripture, make sure you know it all, Bishop. Get your act together. And I agree. But if you want to find the answer to the question, who is Jesus? That's why Mark wrote this gospel. And it is amazing, isn't it? And we need to look through the lens of who he is. So let me ask you to imagine two, maybe three scenarios. The first scenario is this. You've been out for the day. The sun has shone. There's been a real feel-good factor in the crowd. You've listened to someone who speaks like you've never heard anyone speak before. You're hanging on every word he says. So much so that every hour seems like ten minutes. And the day just flies past. And the sun, the heat of the sun starts to go down. And it's really pleasant. You can hear the waves on the lake at the bottom of the hill. And you just see thousands of people listening to this one speaker. Then to your surprise, people start passing out food. And I don't, I don't know if, you know, occasionally, once a month or so, I go to the local bakery. Because it seems to me that, I hope none of you supermarket managers, it seems to me there are two types of bread in England. There's the freshly baked, you know, you just smell the goodness of the bread. And there's um, packaged sliced bread. Well, imagine the, the former, that you are really hungry and people start passing this beautiful smelling bread down the line. And then the most extraordinary, what would it be? Would it be um, a smoked trout? Would it be... Um, beautiful, crisp bit of fried fish. But there's a... And I'm sorry if you're vegetarian, I can't think on my feet about what it would be, but this most delicious, compelling smell of fish, and you're you're eating this soft, white flakes of fish, and you're eating the bread. And you've heard something that is good for your soul, and you're surrounded by your friends, and in fact, it looks like the whole community is there. Is God in it? Is Jesus there? Or, scenario two, imagine that although you are an expert boatman, you have underestimated the wind. And what is normally a case of just setting a sail with a beam wind, and almost by itself the boat will cross the lake. The wind has veered, it's on the head, it's on the front of the boat, it is blowing harder and harder, and every one of you in the boat has now got to have an oar. And although you are working like you've never worked before in the boat, you're not sure how much ground you're making. And it's pitch black, and suddenly you notice someone walking 
on the water overtaking you is Jesus in it. Or you're so overwhelmed with the demands of work. Everyone wants your attention. You've landed in Gennesaret. And everyone who has any sense of a need has come because somehow they believe the answer is there. And the sick have been, been piled, have been brought in and put in rows. And people are longing even to touch the robe of Jesus. It is utter chaos. The needs are too great. And you are exhausted. Actually, you were exhausted as a follower of Jesus even before the feeding on the hillside. In fact, you were so tired in verse, uh, in the first verse of the reading that Jesus looking at your tiredness and your weariness said, you need a little bit of a break. And then there are three successive things that happen. Pushing your resilience beyond your capacity. Wondering if you can cope at all. Is Jesus there? Mark's gospel is a compelling and short account of Jesus' life. Tells the story of three years, but here you just have one day. Twenty verses just describing one day. We have to focus down and say, what is this telling us about Jesus? Jesus, who seems to be able with compassion to meet the needs of people in front of him. Jesus, who even in the state of utter exhaustion, so much so that twice in this account, he tries to draw away, to be quiet, to spend time with his heavenly Father, to say, I just need, Lord, enough grace, enough wisdom for the next task, for the next challenge. Where is Jesus and who is Jesus? When he gets in to the boat... The wind calms. When the sick are brought in Gennesaret, they are healed. When they're hungry, because they've listened, and it's 5,000 men, did you notice that? So it's probably, what, 14,000 people, would it? 14, 15,000? Maybe more? How many children have you got? Uh, okay, so okay, we'll stay with, so 15,000 then. Where is Jesus in that? You could dig a bit deeper in all these cases and say the fascinating thing is Jesus asked those closest to him to join in with what he's doing. The frightening request that goes to the disciples is, you feed them. They've come and said, Lord, send them home. We can't feed this crowd. Send them home. And he says, no, you feed them. And what trust might it have taken for them to say, okay, here's five loaves of bread and here's two fish. And then Jesus prays over them, over the bread and the fish, and says, take it out. And how much is left at the end when everyone is full? The liberal theologians would say, oh, people started to share their food. I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied with that as an explanation. We're told here people ate in abundance. They they were full up. He is Lord over heaven and earth. 
over physical and spiritual. And we see that repeated, don't we, in the calming of the storm, in the spilling of the wind, and then in the moment of desperate need that he encounters in Gennesaret. Everyone who comes near him is healed. What's going on? Who is this Jesus? And who is he to you today? Is Jesus the one who is with you in St. Mary's when you come on a Sunday night? When you deliberately decide, no matter what tomorrow holds, I'm, I'm giving these two hours for, to meet people I trust, to listen to extraordinary music, to listen to some preaching, to watch stories unfold in front of me that, that are positive and equip me? Or is he there tomorrow morning when your entree is bigger than you have ever seen it before? When the demands that are upon you are almost beyond your capacity to cope? And I suspect that's true for many of us. When resilience becomes something we wonder whether we can even handle the tasks that lie in front of us. Is Jesus here in St. Mary's on a Sunday night? Or is he there on Monday when the wind starts blowing stronger and stronger, when the demands push us to the limit? When we wonder, will we get through this week? The expectations are too high. The questions that I have to answer are too complicated. I have to tell you, I often feel that. I often think, what are people asking of me? I had a simple message asking me to go and meet the MP in the Houses of Parliament next Tuesday. I don't know what she wants to ask me. I have a vague suspicion that it might be something I find very difficult to answer. It might not be. It might be she wants me to do a job, and so I hope she's not watching. <laughs> if you are watching, make sure it's something. <laughs> but in all seriousness, isn't that true for all of us? Or do you think, well, I had a great day today. I ate a meal with my family. I managed to, t- to draw breath today. I went for a long walk. I read the words in the, I read the words in a garden that just said, be still and know that I am God. And I had a moment, you know, a moment where you just think, that's astonishing. In the busyness and the chaos and the questions, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Or do you get home and you switch on another day's news? And you watch what's happening in Gaza and a nation of Israel gripped by a sense of fear and anxiety and anger. Is God there? Is God there in that chaos? The gospel story in Mark has these dramatic contrasts written all the way through it. As indeed do our lives 
But I think the challenge I want to give us from Mark's gospel is that Jesus is there in all of it. Because even by gathering to worship, you are making a bold assertion about Jesus. You claim that on the one hand, hunger, fear, exploitation, anxiety, lack of resilience. And on the other hand, well-being and goodness and order and plenty and compassion and hope and peace. Of those two sets of appearances, it is ultimately the latter that you can trust. Or you declare that this wonderful and terrifying universe is even more wonderful and ultimately much less terrifying than appears on the surface. Or you can affirm that in addition to all that can be quantified, tied down, described, measured and explained away, there is a realm that can only be experienced, responded to, denied or obeyed. And when you come to worship, you assert the inadequacy, even the untruth of materialism and that mindless chaos will rule. On the other hand, darkness, extinction, emptiness and fear will never have the last word. In short, God is, God acts, and God cares. And I wonder, as you look out on the world with its beauty, glory, and plenty, but also its unpredictability, its ugliness, and its barrenness, if you were to have a set of scales, which side do you think will win? If you put all the love and the goodness and God on one side and the barrenness, indifference, and emptiness on the other, which side is going to win? But you know, there is a deciding factor And you're going to witness it in these 11 candidates in a few minutes. And the deciding factor is quite simply this. For me, it is Jesus Christ. For I am persuaded that when you read Mark's gospel, he rings true. That we see in him the light of God and the key to the great tension. For in the gospel of Mark, as indeed the other three gospels too, you will discover an uncontrived story That in Jesus Christ, life and death, love and hatred, light and darkness, these opposites have contended, and Jesus is victor, Lord, and King. And it is this Lord Jesus that bids us welcome tonight, that despite our waywardness, our blindness, our confusion, our emptiness, and our sinfulness, you too can be ransomed, healed, restored, and forgiven. Or if I can draw from that feast on the side of the lake, he is the bread of life and he meets our needs. Jesus went on to say, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I wonder if I can end with a silly story. And remember, it's a silly story. There was a man, I hope you haven't heard this before. 
even more after 10 years. I hope I haven't told it here before. (laughs) There was a man who walked rather too close to the cliff edge. And he tumbled over and fell towards the rocks below. In desperation, he puts out a hand as he's falling, and extraordinarily, he catches something. And then finds he's bouncing up and down. He's on a thorn bush that is struck from the rock. He's between heaven and earth. There's no way to climb back up, and as he looks up in desperation, he calls out, Is there anyone up there? To his surprise, there's an answer. Yes, I am the Lord your God and I'm here. He looks up again and he says, what shall I do? And the same man comes back, the same voice comes back with an alarming message. Let go. So the man looks back up and shouts, is there anyone else? You see, as we ponder our universe, the picnic and the storm, the Sunday and the Monday, the stillness and the chaos of Gaza, we always always see contrasting sets of experiences and appearances. And we try to make sense of it. And at times we are utterly bewildered and we call out, is there anyone there? And like the man in the story, you receive an answer. Yes, I am here. I, the Lord God, revealed in Jesus Christ. And often like the man in my silly story, we're alarmed at what we hear. Because he is not the God we want. We really want a God in our image, a bit like us. We want a God who's comfortable. We want a God who we can use. If you like, a kind of genie in the pocket. But this God comes with tough moral and spiritual demands. He insists that you are your brother's keeper. That you cannot live by bread alone. And so we call out again, is there anyone else there? But for us, as well as the man on the cliff... The answer is the same. No, there isn't. It is this God revealed to us in Jesus, or no God at all. And this God calls us to a life of faith, to let go of our lesser securities and to trust in him, to care, to share, to take up the cross and follow Jesus in humble discipleship. But unlike the man in the story, we have a really good reason to heed the call. Because we have the promise of Jesus himself. Who said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And it is my prayer tonight that Jesus, the bread of life, the light of life, that he will create a deep spiritual hunger in every one of us. And he will go on to meet that hunger in glad and joyful obedience. It may be the Lord is doing that in you. And it may be that you know where to go to find that he satisfies.
that he meets our needs. But if you want me to signpost you at all, I would say to you, read the whole of Mark's Gospel. It will only take you an hour. And I think you'll find you want to read it again and again and again. And after Christmas, the vicar's just told me he's going to run a Christianity Explored course. The amazing thing about Christianity Explored is it quite simply takes you through Mark's Gospel. So if you've got a bit rusty, you've been following Jesus, but you're thinking, I need to see this again, sign up for Christianity Explored, even if you've been a Christian for years. But if you have been a Christian for years, in humility, ask someone else to come with you. I have done Christianity Explored or a similar course probably 120 times. And I can't stop. Because this is not simply a 2,000-year-old document. It is the word of God that brings Jesus from the pages into our hearts. And you will discover an adventure and a life that does change everything. Not in some superficial way. Actually, there's probably no more challenging way to go as the the 11 at the front have glimpsed maybe slightly too painfully at times, but with great joy. And the reason you go on reading Mark's Gospel is so that you know what's there, that it peppers your conversation It feeds your soul. It inspires what you say. Not that you're sort of quoting verses in the pub, although you can do that if you want. But that you know the good news of Jesus Christ. Not as some rote learning, some method, but because you've encountered him. Just as those disciples did. They were in despair. How am I going to feed 14,000, 15,000? And Jesus says, you go and start doing it. It is both to know him, but also to follow him and to trust him. And that's what happens, I believe, when we allow the word of God in the power of the Spirit to show us Jesus. And you've got 11 visual aids in front of you. So that's a bit rude, isn't it? I mean, 11 remarkable men and women who've got a life-changing story. And we are looking forward to hearing where that story goes. Amen.